what is it about Shanghai that makes it even worth listening about? Well, I want to like explain that to you because you have an incredibly rapid developing country, right? That's China. What is Shanghai in the context of China? Well, Shanghai is like what they consider their international city and business capital. It's like the capitalism of the new capitalistic country. As you probably know, the World Trade Organization adopted China in 2000, and since then, it's just incredible how quickly they've developed. So, living in Shanghai is just constant change. I often say, like, four years living in Shanghai is like living a decade anywhere else. And that, therefore, since I had lived in Shanghai for five or six years, or six years in China, it's like living two lifetimes because. You know how it is when you go back to your hometown or where you went to college or whatever it is, and you're like, "Wow, man! Like, I remember when this was a Seven Eleven or whatever it is. It's like a few changes, right? Well, Shanghai changes like overnight. You know, you, there's obviously loads and loads of streets you can walk down, and every time you walk down a street that you walked down before, there's guaranteed to be something different, and it could be the entire street." They can change a whole facade of a street in a week, so you're always something that's unique. I think to China, in my perspective, is the constant detouring. So you're work, walking on like fresh pavement, brand new street next to it, new buildings, like half a block, and then boom, there's like a wall, and then there's cones or whatever making you walk into the street. Then you're walking on gravel, you're walking on rubble, you're getting your shoes muddy, and then detour back onto like. You know, a sidewalk that's been around for ten years. Then you're like back into something fresh and new, and then construction, and then fresh and new, and then construction, and then like not so relatively old. That's all over China. But the difference is like I guess the tier one cities like the rapid pace of that. So like as I notice in America, at least where I'm from, when you see construction, like it's like a long term effort. Something that's going to be going on for a while. If you drive by, like you might see people working. Probably not. There's probably a crane just sitting around. Like in China, the way I guess it normally works is you have people coming in from the countryside, and they're just their only job is to work. And as long as they work, they get paid. So they often live on the site in those like shipping containers, or if not, they live pretty damn close. Some of them, like if it's hot. In summer, they might like just sleep under a bridge for that summer, and it's not like roughing it like it would be for you or I, because where they're coming from is rough anyways. So it's like whatever they make, they can send home or live off of for a while. I assume, anyways. Anyway, they get they get things done very very quickly, and like manpower is never an issue.、Um, so this is like the dynamic of living in Shanghai. And when you combine that with restaurants in a city like that, so they consider it an international city, but what it really kind of is is like a a hub for Greater China, and that means it's like you have a taste of this region, a taste of that region, and it's it's a, Shanghai is a southern city, but it's still pretty like centralized in my mind in terms of being a a, a top one of the top three cities in China. And so you have like, you know, the region isn't so south that it's deep south, and it's not obviously northern, so it's not 
just like the northern delicacies. It's pretty diverse. And because Shanghai used to be an internet, like a real international city, in, in, meaning used to be occupied by foreigners, I don't know if I've gotten into the history at all or not, but it was basically rented by foreign countries like America, uh, I think Russia, definitely France, uh, England, and Germans were there. I think maybe Dutch were there. And they had what they called concessions. So it was like, that's theirs, that's theirs. And Chinese weren't really allowed in there um, unless they were like servants. So after Mao Zedong, you know, took over China, that kind of wiped out that whole establishment. And then Chinese poured in and then it became a Chinese city. So you have a lot of people from a lot of places. And because it was or is considered an international city, you have a lot of people who kind of like New York City in America, like, you know, want to move to Shanghai when they become of age because, like, it's an exciting international city. So you have food from, coming from all over the place in a very competitive environment. If you're not, like, making the best kind of food that you make, someone else is going to. And... That calls for excellent food all over the place. So, like, let's try to, to draw this picture to you. Um, the street in front of where I lived at, probably, I'm just thinking quickly, six restaurants across the street from my building. Let's go with six, six, seven, eight, no more than eight. But we're talking a block. How long is a block? Uh, well, on my block, it was like my series of buildings like what you would call an apartment complex. And then there was a small, tiny, like, museum next door. And that was the end of the block. So then you could turn left on that street. Uh, so that's like eight-ish restaurants there. And I won't get into all the other services and shops and, you know, because it would take forever to try to explain that. So I'm just going to kind of focus on restaurants. And I, I think it's worth explaining because restaurants is a lifestyle. And, you know, when you live in a city, if you're not using the city, you kind of might as well not be there. I felt like, for me, as a foreigner especially, if I'm going to live in Shanghai, I'm going to, like, live in Shanghai. I'm not going to go home and cook my own dinner. There are foreigners who do that, you know, because they need the job more than they need the experience. But for me, I ate out practically every night for the whole time I lived in Shanghai. And there's a, a massive array of restaurants and a massive uh, number of items on the average menu. And there's a culture of taking people out to eat. You've probably heard of that. I treat you and then you treat me. And it's better the more the merrier. It's really how Chinese party. You're trying to get down. It's like you go, you go out to eat. They do do like something called KTV, which is a karaoke room. That's like when you're, they're really like trying to like party, party, party. But other than that, like it's festive in terms of eating out. So like, let's talk about what might be on a menu. So you might have, first of all, moderate menu, moderate restaurants always have menus that have pictures on them in China. I think it's because there's so many kinds of dishes that you can't have a name for all of those kinds of dishes that everybody recognizes. Like, how many ways can you say, like, chicken sandwich in English? I mean, or 
chicken soup or chicken with rice. I mean, I'm already out. I don't even know chicken with rice and carrots. Well, there's a lot of ways to make a dish like that. And I think that's part of the reason that they make uh, menus with photographs. I also think there's probably like a history of illiteracy and it made sense at some point to call some, like to use pictures. I don't really know the details, but you have a lot of pictures. And then you'll have some maybe items that don't have pictures, but you might be given a book with like 60 pages of, of menu items. So when you take someone out to eat, your job is to order for everybody. It's not like in America where you choose your dish and I choose mine and we never like, never the two shall meet. It's like I'm ordering for everybody and my job is to know what foods go together and to get like that kind of like food pyramid of <laughs> variety of foods on the table. So I'm getting like a couple of kinds of proteins, a couple of kind of vegetables, a couple of kind of greens maybe, um, and whatever else, whatever else. I mean, some kind of like starches that I mentioned that whether it's like noodles or rice or fried rice or dumplings or and you're trying to like build this kind of like assortment of foods so and, and we don't really ever have anything like that in America where you have to build out your dinner and so ideally like you're taking people to a restaurant that you know or a kind of cuisine you know and you're driving the ship and you're paying for it. So they're just like having a good time and accompanying you. And it's almost like having someone over to your house for dinner. Which, of course, when you live in an apartment city world, is not like a convenient thing. Like you're, you're cramming a whole house worth of stuff into a little apartment. So you don't really, you know, you're not really set up to have guests over and like show guests a good time at your apartment. So you take them out. And, uh, you know, some restaurants uh, have elaborate, like, atmospheres built out. And some are literally just like what you would see here is like a storage unit. And the family, like, lives upstairs or in the back. Um, so you have all these, like, different kinds of foods. So now you just have to imagine what it's like to live somewhere where almost every street has an uh, array of restaurants. And street to street may vary. So let's just say there's three to 400 different kinds of restaurant food um, and all within 15 minutes of wherever you are at any given point. And you already have the, the sense now of like the proximity of transportation. Maybe I can go a little bit into transportation. So it was the share bike capital of the world while I was there which means you could take bicycles, like there's bicycles on every street that you just scan with your phone, it unlocks and you take. And what does it cost? Like a hay penny. It's less than a penny. Um, you know, so you're walking and you just don't want to walk, you just ride a little bit and there's always a bike. There's always a bike. So there's that and then, you know, you can have your own e-scooter and you zip, just zip around you know, and a lot of people keep that right at their front door. So you just open the door from your apartment, hop on, get in the elevator on your scooter. And you could be in flip-flops and like, you know, eating breakfast, you know, talking on your cell phone, whatever. And you just end up getting to where you go to. It's kind of like the all-road experience. It's, it's such a cool experience to do that too. 
Um, you know, you got to meet someone at the subway. You just like put on flip flops and you're already like magically going there. Um, there's all kinds of motorcycles. You can hop on the back for 10 kwai, which is, you know, two or three bucks. You tell the guy where you're going and he's going to zip, 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 zip. No matter if cars are like gridlocked or people are all over the place, the motorcycle is like the ultimate travel in Shanghai. And they're not allowed in a lot of places. You have to have a Shanghai license plate and they're not allowed on certain roads, but they are badass. I mean, if you're late for something important and you can get on a motorcycle, dude, you will be there. <laughs> so you got... You can also have your own bicycle, too. And what's interesting is, like, in America, you try to keep your bike looking good and, like, maintain and wash and all. I learned pretty quick, like, you try to make it look the opposite so that hopefully people won't steal it. And, you know, you just wait until it gets really run down and then you buy a new one. And the same is pretty true with an e-bike. You don't want anything looking too good. So then you have, like... Obviously, you got the taxis, and then we had Uber for a short time, and that was replaced by the Chinese version called Didi Dachua. And they're all over the place. I mean, every other person is either a cab, which you can just hail, or uh, those Didi riders, drivers. And, you know, you, you won't wait more than five minutes. Like, what I used to sometimes do is call one and then w walk to the bus. And if the bus showed up before the driver, I'd get in the bus and cancel. And buses come. This is really insane. You know, when you're living in the inner ring, every like five to eight minutes is probably your bus. And I got particularly good. And I really like knowing what buses run on which streets. Like at this bus station, this number, this number, this number, and this number run. And they all have like a chart of each stop. And it's in Chinese. And that's actually like really good for your Chinese. You don't have to even know what the word means, how to how to actually say the word or what it means. You just have to recognize that that character and match it. Like if you're looking at three subway lines, sorry, bus lines, bus routes. You know, we're all on the same street, so the next stop is probably going to be on the next street. So you'll see the next stop all has the same Chinese characters. And the next one, maybe two of them have the same Chinese characters, but the next one doesn't. And then you see, like, you go down the whole list that way and you see if they ever match up. And some of them are big and they have a symbol if it's a subway station. So, you know, that's an important one. It doesn't mean you're going to recognize the subway station because we're talking about, I think, 20-something lines. And God only knows how many stations in Shanghai. But, uh, you know, what I used to do, like... And I'd enjoy doing it is anytime I'm walking down the street and a bus would come up and stop and load passengers and I happen to be there, I'd get on the bus and just see where it went. And they move quick, man. It's not like, you know, here where it's like, oh, everybody has to sit down and safety first and bus lane. They zip just, just with the traffic. I mean, if you were to take a car, you know, if it's not far, a bus is likely to get you there just as quickly. Plus, like, you can sit in the back and open the window and kind of, like, look out from above. Sometimes you're in the mood for a bus. Like, this is what you get used to living in that city is just having the freedom of how you want to get somewhere. And you just start going and you figure out as you go how you're going to get somewhere. Like, all the time like that. I mean, that's that's the whole—the the two things is getting around and eating out. And, like, 
every time you do that, let's say one day, two days, and now you've done it for a whole week, you're becoming familiar with the city. And like you've eaten at all these restaurants and you've had all these dishes in those restaurants. Then you know this street and all those restaurants. And then you know that street and all those restaurants. You know where the Western restaurants are. You know what they serve. You know if you're in the mood for this kind of beer, like which bar has that. The Japanese food, you know, the hideaways. There's so many times where, you know, you don't even see a sign in a building. You find your way into a building and then you find like a whole assortment of restaurants inside. And so there's all these like hidden places full of restaurants. I mean, not just in Shanghai and in all of China, but you're always finding hiding places full of food and shops, but mostly like restaurants all over the place. So let's say I finish my class, I'm with my students or I'm with other teachers and we're we're just walking together talking like, hey man, you, you feel like having blah, blah, blah kind of food? Like, you know, that kind of noodles that are dried and then they add stuff on top of them afterwards, <laughs> you know? And then it's like, yeah, I'm down with that. All right, cool, man. Like, so there's a place like right the next block on the left. And you just like maybe have to go through a couple of mazes and stuff. And it's like, wow, you know, I didn't know this was here. And you wouldn't. And then you have to know like how to order the dish. Like I said, there's usually pictures, but the cheaper the food gets, the less pictures they're going to have usually. So, and it's not like, you know, you're just impressing foreigners with your knowledge of getting around and the knowledge of food. You're impressing Chinese all the time, including Shanghainese, with just like how intricate you know the city. Like, you may know people that move to your city where you live, that you've been living in a long time, and they're going to all these different places around the region that you wouldn't ever go to. It's like, why would I drive 20 minutes that way? It's like, that's a whole different world, right? I mean, that's how it is everywhere. If you're from somewhere, you don't really venture out. But I wasn't from Shanghai and I was like, this is my dream, right? So I was all over that city. And a lot of foreigners, like, they migrate towards the center of the city where the the former French concession is. And that's where you'll find like lots and lots of Western style bars and Western restaurants. And the big night scene, that's where my former roommate was every single night, like at least every single weekend. Um, and I, I hardly ever went down there. Like I did on occasion. It's almost like, I don't know if you live on Staten Island and you go into New York City every once in a while for like a night out. You know, I would go down there like on rare occasions or like there was like a bowling arena down there or maybe a movie theater um, but pretty much I stuck to Chinese, modern Chinese places. Like I didn't like going far out from the center, um, because it just gets really drab and then the choices aren't so great. Um, I like having the whole array where you have like really fancy, like a little less fancy, a little less fancy, like high normal, normal, less normal, high cheap, medium cheap, low cheap. And that's something that like I kind of had to learn living in, in Shanghai, that there's all these levels that you just don't have here because first they have the denomination of money that's like six times more than ours. So what would be a dollar, you know, is, is for us the lowest denomination of cash for them is a, a kwai. And, and that's like just opening up choices. Like, you know, the dollar menu at McDonald's, for example, you know, that's a nice round number, but it's much harder to take like a 23 and a half cents 
menu and like try to round products to that in America. Like once you get into scents, people kind of just stop even even understanding money anymore in the U.S. But you have this whole like market of below a dollar in China. So like when I first came and got my first job, I was always eating at this like Japanese restaurant for lunch. And the guy, my manager was like, boy, you're eating expensive food. Well, it was only like in USD, like 10 bucks. And that's what you would pay for lunch, right? In America. So I didn't know what the hell he was talking about, you know. But, you know, Chinese, I guess, how do I say it? Like typical Chinese, average Chinese? Yeah, your average Chinese wouldn't wouldn't spend that much on lunch every day. It's just like a complete waste of money for them. You know, they might bring their own noodles or just get something really cheap on the street. I learned that as time went on, like that that, that would be considered like a restaurant restaurant. And there's a lot of other choices. So let me just set the scene here for Shanghai. Like you're going out in the evening. It's dark, but it's lit up. There's lights everywhere flashing on buildings. You got ones way far off in the distance. You got close ones. And it's foggy, but it's also smoky because it's China. So it's smoggy, but just pretend it's fog. So there's like this misty atmosphere. And people are coming and going. There's pretty girls. There's dudes walking around in pajamas. There's guys walking around on wife beaters. There's guys walking around in work clothes. There's a couple foreigners. There's a couple what looks like Turkish people, but they're just Western Chinese people. And you have your phone, which is an amazing <laughs> invention in this new world. Uh, and you're, you're like contacting everybody who could be you can meet up with, which is just thousands of people because everybody's living in the same area. And you have all of these choices of food. Like every night is like you're going to feast. It's something that's really hard to get used to not doing when you come back here. It's not feasting all the time and having all this like array of food. Yeah, I got heavy. And uh, I don't know if I would consider it fat. I mean, I was fat. I still am heavy. But it's a different, like, I was, like, heavy from eating good food all the time. Now, there is a lot of bad food. I'll tell you that. <laughs> like, there's a lot of food that's cooked in too much oil. You'll probably get diarrhea pretty freaking off often. Um, you know, because every time you're going to a new restaurant, it's an experiment. You know, you don't know what they make or what kind of food they have. And a lot of the time, you don't even know what's in the dish. I mean, a whole lot of the time, you don't know what's in the dish. So um, the art form of living in Shanghai is really just like knowing how to get around and uh, knowing how to order dishes for people. And like, like every time you're taking someone out, you know, that's a, that's a time where they're probably going to take you out next time. And there's just this endless number of beautiful, kind Women to accompany you. Women, like, I don't mean that in any, like, you, like, objective way. I just mean, like, you know, I'd rather have dinner with a woman than a man most of the time. And the women are unbelievably fun to have dinner with in China. I don't know how else to say it. And it's a great, great time. I mean, it's like, the only bad thing is it's all the time. And you don't get any sense of, like what else the world is doing. I mean, like mountains or rivers or like real rivers or fields or uh, 
anything. It's like, doesn't even matter if it's raining or like nothing. You're just in this bubble. And I think that was like, that was what was tough about it. Cause I really like all the stuff that comes with living in the suburbs, like nature, birds and real, uh, like a ray of birds and insects and open space and the smell of fresh cut grass, just like walking barefoot in on a lawn and getting really real good sunlight. You know, you don't get any of that stuff, but you do get this world of, I don't know what you'd even call it, but it, it's certainly magical. I mean, and there's none of that like intimidation when you leave your house like there is here where you just have, oh, they're from that country and they're from that country and that guy's political leanings are different than mine and this person isn't going to, I don't know, pay me the light of day because of my skin color or whatever the fuck Americans are all up about. But you can't, you don't have any of this like, or this guy's in a bad mood and he's going to like, you know, chest bump me or fucking lift up his shoulders or you get all that feeling around just, just like, it's just like a natural feeling in America. But in China, it's like completely absent. And I'm sure it's like that in a lot of countries, but that's part of it. So that was part of the magical experience in, in, in China. It's like you just never, just, it's a certain level of freedom and you're completely anonymous in this like, you know how Christmas is with all the lights and all that stuff? Just think about like a, like a smoggy night that never really stops. I mean, there's always going to be places open. It'll get less and less crowded as the night goes on. You got your e-bike probably, and you just kind of own the city. You're, you're cruising down the middle of the street, going up on the sidewalks, you know, through back ways, you know. And wherever you stop, you just stop. You want to stop and like pop into a convenience store and down a beer if you want to go for it man you know it's it's a really free and there's just so many beautiful nice people i want to say women but i don't want to sound sexist uh it's just a great great experience so that's something i can say positive about the city which is really hard to get over <laughs> 